Well, good morning again. Glad you're I hope everybody's had a good weekend. Uh, enjoyable past few days. I got to tell you, uh, my, my weekend has been good, but it's kind of been humbling. I've kind of had a humbling experience this weekend. You know, I don't want to sound prideful or boastful or anything like this, but I've always kind of considered myself a, uh, a fairly decent preacher. Now, if you think differently than me, don't tell me now, okay? You save it. Now, I know I am not the world's best, you know, but I think I'm, I'm not the worst, you know, and I'm okay, and I've been, at least I've been seasoned in doing this, and, and I've, I've got a little bit of confidence and had enough time that I feel comfortable speaking. Well, I say this because um, this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, I got to take my little Parker, and we went to, uh, we were invited to go to a little camp. I, I get more of a retreat because it's just a one-nighter. Uh, we went to Camp Copus in Denton. Uh, we actually went with the church I grew up at, University Baptist Church. Uh, they invited us to come along. It was weird to see, to be go taking my kid now to camp, and the other councils were kids I grew up with, and now they've got children of their own, and so I felt really old this weekend too. But uh, So Park and I went to this campus just for first and second graders, and we went Friday and spent the night and came back yesterday. It was a lot of fun, and I'm glad it was only one night because there's only so much I can take of about 500 seven- and eight-year-olds. I mean, I was ready to come home. It was good. But what, I've got to tell you what happened that was real humbling to me, that we got there to camp, and when the first thing we had was a worship rally. You know, you get there, and we have things, and, and they were taking the songs, and they introduced the speaker for the weekend. And as the speaker came out, and as he started, I go, oh, no, he's gonna, it's going to be rough. And the reason I thought of that is because the guy that came out was really young. I mean, he was early 20s. Um, and as he started speaking, you could tell that he was kind of still finding his footing um, with standing before people. And I was like, you know, I've been, I've been preaching probably about as long as this guy's been alive, and I would find it difficult to keep first and second graders' attention for 30 minutes. And that's what he had to do about five different times. You had 30 minutes of a speaking time. I'm like, this guy, is, it's really going to be challenging. I'm like, I would struggle with doing this. Well, I didn't give this young man enough credit. Yes, he was still learning to be a, a public speaker, but see, he had something else he did. I should have known better. He wasn't just a speaker. He was also a juggler. And so as he did his lessons, as he did a Bible lesson, he was juggling and balancing and doing tricks, and it was perfect for first and second graders. I mean, they were enthralled by this, especially when this young man was juggling fire. I'm like, every time he juggled something that was on fire, I'm surprised we did not come on with a bunch of pyromaniacs setting church houses on fire, but that's a different story. But I mean, he would do all this stuff, and he would tell a Bible story, and then he would do kind of a, a little trick, a little act to kind of illustrate what his point was. In fact, one of the neatest things this young man did, he was talking about the story to all these little kids. He was telling the story of Jesus walking on the water out to the boat where the disciples were, and, and Jesus sees, I'm sorry, Peter sees Jesus, says, can I come out? And Come on, and walks on the water and starts to sink. We all know the story, right? And he's, this young man is teaching these boys and girls about this story. And, of course, as you know, the passage, the, the lesson we kind of learn from it is the focus, keeping your eyes on Jesus, and you don't doubt in your faith. And so this young man was trying to get across to the children about the importance of focusing. He was trying to say, focus on Jesus. So here's what he did. Um, he got out a, his unicycle, 
And he got on the unicycle, and that's kind of impressive. I don't think I could balance on the unicycle. That's pretty neat in itself, but not that Im- overly impressive. But he gets the, he's getting on the unicycle, and then he gets out one of those spinning plates. You know, you see the circus that's on the pole, and they spin it. And he gets that going while he's on the unicycle and balances on his head. And then he gets out the um, juggling clubs that look like bowling pins. And he's juggling. So he's on the unicycle balancing. He's got the plate spin on top of his head, and he's juggling, and he's teaching this part of the story and going about how to focus. And my little Parker looks up at me and goes, Daddy, can you do that? <laughs> I'm like, boy, what do you think? I, you see me walking around the house practicing the unicycle or something? You know, like, I mean, suddenly I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not as good at speaking as I thought I was. I can't, you know. So with that in mind, I'm going to juggle stuff this morning. I'm going to, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to go to the hospital if that's what happens, brother. That's what's going to happen. But I thought it was great. This young man, he did a really good job. And, and But it, I had some of the counselors teasing me if I was going to come back to Sunday and try to balance on something and juggle something while teaching the lesson. And, you know, I was, I was like, well, probably not. And then I was, got confirmation of that. Not that I really ever seriously took that too seriously, but got confirmation when I was remembering what our passage was for this morning. See, we're going to read the verses in just a few moments. I don't want to uh, get too far ahead, but one of the things our passage says to us this morning, kind of at the end, one of the parts of the, the verse tells us that whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know, and I was reminded, what, what, what would I be doing if I came here this morning, if I tried to do some trick, you know, some gimmick to try to get your attention, to keep you awake or whatever, get my point across? That'd be saying, hey, look at me. Now, I'm not saying that young man at that camp was doing it. He was using the unique gifts God had him, and he, was, he knew his audience, and he, he wouldn't do those same things with adults. He was with kids. He was trying to get them to keep their attention and teach them an important lesson. He was doing it effectively. But if I did something like that, that wouldn't be for God's glory, would it? It'd be for mine. That would be about, hey, look at me. This is what makes me look good, pleases me. But we're reminded this morning that in whatever we do, we're to do it all for God's glory. Now, that's where we are this morning. We continue on in our our sermon series. You can put our title up for us this morning. We're continuing through 1 Corinthians. We've been in 1 Corinthians for for a good bit of time. We're working well through it. And we're talking about all for God's glory. Now, we're going to be reminded as, as we read this next section of, of the letter of 1 Corinthians that, again, not to get ahead of ourselves and skip over what we're about to read, but, I mean, the main point, we're being reminded that whatever you do, the decisions you make, the way you live your, your day, go about all your actions, and, and the, again, the choices you make for the Lord, do it all for God's glory. It cannot be about you getting the glory. It can't, it's not about so you can look good, feel good about yourself, or look in other people's eyes. It's what you do, you must do for God's glory. Now, I know I don't normally tell you part of the verse we're going to read before we start reading it, but I'm doing it for a reason this morning. I, you know, as we've been studying through 1 Corinthians, and many, if not most of you, have been here through the majority of this series going through 1 Corinthians, and we've been looking at this kind of sick family. That's what that, that church was when Paul's writing to them, and Paul's dealing with some of their issues so they can become a healthy family and get back on the right path. As we've been going through this letter, we've kind of come across some passages that have been difficult, to say the least. 
And all of that, we've come across some passages that deal with issues that that church was dealing with that we really don't deal with today. Or not quite the same in our context and our culture. And, you know, 2,000 years is a pretty big time gap. And we can understand that Paul addressed some issues that they were dealing with and that we don't quite have the same struggle with. And we're going to see more of that coming up. In fact, wait till we get to next week. Boy, howdy, we got some challenging stuff to get through uh, of some things they were dealing with. Women, just be prepared. Um, anyway, I won't spoil what's going to happen next week, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wearing a lot of armor when I get up here next Sunday over some of the passages we're talking about. But anyway, as we get to this morning, now the focus that we're going to look at is all for God's glory. Whatever you do, do it for the, for the glory of God. But however... As we start reading in just a moment, it's not going to really seem that that has anything to do with it. We're once again going to kind of start in a passage that deals with some of the specific issues they were dealing with. Or once again, he's going to, Paul's going to address some like the dietary concerns and the what, you know, food sacrifice to idols and those sort of things. We've talked about that a little bit, but I don't want you to get lost. I don't want you to think, oh wow, we're talking about some things that don't really maybe relate to me or I'm not struggling with, so hang in there this morning. I want you to look at it because there's really some awesome things going on. You know, we always want to look at Scripture and then kind of look a little bit behind the scenes at the larger, the larger picture and realize there's some really good lessons for us. So I want us to go back, and as we talk about all for God's glory, I want you to kind of keep that in mind as we go and read through some of these verses and some of the issues Paul's continuing to address to that church but really have some good lessons for you and I today. Let's look at Scripture. We're going to start, again, in chapter 10, verse 14, and we're going all the way through chapter 11, verse 1. Let's read together. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And it's not the bread that we break our participation in the, in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many, are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, Eat whatever's put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. 
I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom from being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they, so they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, that's where we're going to stop this morning in our reading through 1 Corinthians. And um, now as we read through that, I hope I kind of set you up well to understand that some of the things we talk about, again, they're difficult. In fact, I'm going to come to you this morning. Before we really start talking about some of the issues um, we read, and some of them, even though they may not look like it, there's a whole lot of application to what you and I are doing in our daily walk with Christ right now. Before I talk about it, I want to make an honest admission. And this, this is coming from a guy who has spent, I've spent the majority of my life reading Scripture, studying Scripture, teaching Scripture, preaching Scripture in the Word of God, significant amounts of time. And this is coming from me, I'll tell you this, sometimes the Word of God, the Bible, Scriptures, they can be frustrating. Why am I saying this to you? Because I know, I've talked to plenty of people who sometimes struggle with reading the Bible. They get in and they say, I don't understand what it's talking about. It's confusing or it's dealing with stuff that it's not today or I... You know, I'm going to start reading my Bible and Genesis fine, Exodus fine, and then, you know, start getting into some harder parts and, ooh, why did God allow that? Or, you know, I get lost in all the genealogies. Go start the book of Numbers and go, I just can't make it through. And, you know, or all, all kinds of different reasons. Scripture can be hard. In fact, I mean, we just read a passage, and I'm going to show you in a minute why when I read a passage like that, if, I'm just, if I just look at those verses, I mean, it's kind of frustrating. Because there's actually... Several things that don't seem to make a lot of sense. There, it seems like maybe there's even a couple of contradictions and issues that come up, and Scripture is challenging. And I want you to know that even as a pastor, even as one who's I, part of my, my life's work is to be involved in God's Word, I sometimes have those feelings of, this is hard. So I don't want you to feel bad if you're ever struggling in God's Word. Because I want you to know, we all do. Now, if you struggle in God's words, if that's you this morning, if you, you've got into the Bible 4 and you have trouble with what you're reading, you don't understand it, maybe you don't even agree with some things. I don't know what, what your issue has been. But if you struggle with that, I, you tend to see one of two things happen with people who are struggling in God's word. You either take the pick-and-choose approach, and that's the approach that says, you know, I'm just going to read the parts of the Bible that I like. Or I'm just going to get my devotion book, which has just my little one or two verses and, you know, life application verses, and then read a little thing about it. And that's kind of my interaction with God's Word. I'm not going to deal with those parts that I don't really understand or seem too difficult. I'm going to kind of pick and choose. That's kind of one approach people take when they're struggling. And the other probably more common approach, sadly, is I'm just going to close the Word of God altogether and say, "I, I can't understand it. It's raising questions for me. You know, it's, it's hard. 
Now, I don't want you to make either of those mistakes because uh, making those two choices is not good. Obviously, just putting aside the Word of God is not valuable. If, if your only exposure to the Bible is when you're coming in here and having somebody else like me talk to you about it, that's not good. You need to spend time in God's Word. But nor do you need a person that just says, let me find my little daily verse. Let me find my today's horoscope of what God says about today. That's not the way the Bible works. You know, the Bible is not about you. I don't know if you realize that. The Bible is about God. The Bible is telling us who God is and what he has done and how we come to him. It is describing God to us. Is it useful for our daily life? Of course it is. There's so much application. This is, you know, living and active. This is, there's so much in God's Word. But it is challenging. I told some people before, one of my favorite uh, messages to preach when I go out on revivals or special services is a message out of the Old Testament that the first time I came to that passage, it really uh, it just confused me, actually. I didn't know what was going on. I had to spend three, almost four years praying over a passage and looking at it before I could ever preach it. Until God, you know, through awesome circumstances, began to reveal some truths about that passage and brought me to a place where he said, I'm allowing you to go teach on this now. That's the way God's word is sometimes. And I bring all this up because, again, we get into a passage like we just read, and you're going, so he's talking about meat sacrificed to idols, and you know, this kind of like... I don't understand what he's talking about, and I, I don't have a problem with that. Let's just kind of skip over. Let's just find that one verse that do all for the glory of God, and we're done. That's, we, we like that part, and we're not sure about the rest. See, we, we can fall into that temptation really easy and missing out on what God has for us. Now, I know you've got to forgive me this morning. I'm kind of going off on a little tangent from studying what we have, but I want you to understand this. If you've been struggling in God's word and you've been kind of putting it down or just picking and choosing when it's convenient for you, you are missing out mightily on what God has for you. It is okay that you struggle with scripture. You should wrestle with what you read. It's okay that you don't understand something in there or go, why would God do that or allow that? It's okay if you read a passage and you go and you walk away that day not understanding what it means for you. That's fine. But if you will commit yourself to being a person of the Word, being in God's Word, studying it and praying over it and seeking God in it, He will begin to open your eyes to awesome and mighty things. And I bring all this up because, again, we have this passage that is a little challenging, that as we're going to see in a minute, it seems like it's almost contradicting itself. But if we will look past it and pray with what's really going on and see things in a larger biblical context, we're going to realize God actually is showing us some really useful things for how to walk faithful daily before him. It's a really, actually a really neat passage of Scripture. And so again, forgive me for kind of going off to the side for a minute, but I want you to hear that. If you're struggling with Scripture, if you're gotten out of it, it's time to get back in. And we're going to talk this morning as we end about how to help you with some of that. Now, let's get back and consider a few things we read this morning. Now, I'm going to try to kind of give the brief rundown because some of us we already talked about. But you need to understand the situation Paul was facing that he was talking about with this church way back when in Corinth. How did it start? There's kind of little three little parts to this. The first one, he says what? Flee from idolatry. 
flee from idolatry. Well, we need to know that, but what was the specific situation he addressed? He said, don't go eating meat that's been a sacrifice to idols. Don't go do something that's been paganized. You know, he's saying that all, there's, this church was in a culture surrounded by pagan worship. The Christians, the Christ followers, were an extreme minority in that day. And as we talked about before, if you've been with us when we talked several chapters ago, that one of the issues that early church dealt with was that you couldn't buy any food, specifically meat, that hadn't been sacrificed idols to false gods, because that was so common. It was everywhere. I mean, the only way you could guarantee the food you ate wasn't being sacrificed to idols was you had to raise it yourself. And not, not everybody could do that. And so they were going, how am I supposed to be a Christian and be the things of God, but all the food that's available for me, the stuff I buy at the market and go at my friend's house and everywhere else, it's been dedicated to some pagan god. You know, and Paul's been addressing this, and he says it kind of starts off with saying, flee from these things. And he used the illustration of the Lord's Supper. He said, you know, when we come to communion, it's, we are in one body, and the blood of Christ, we're one. And if you're uniting yourself with something that is not of God, that is sinful, that is in fact evil and even demonic, how can you expect to come in and be one with God? And what he's trying to say to them, and there is some lesson in this for us today, that even though their food is being sacrificed to idols, the idols are nothing but what's behind all that uh, idols. What is it? It's, It's Satan. It's the evil one. It's actually demons deceiving the people, right? It's spiritual warfare going on. And all that food that's being given to the idol, and the idol is nothing, but behind it is the work of the enemy. And so Paul is getting on him and saying, just flee from those things. Don't be involved in those things because you don't unite your body with these things that are really truly uh, demonic and then come and try to be one with the Lord. Now, we don't necessarily have the issues uh, today of the meat with idols and that kind of things like they did that, but we certainly have plenty of other examples of idolatry going on. There's plenty of things you could look at today that, again, they are of the world, and truly we know the driving force behind them is, is the enemy. And there's, I mean, the demonic force behind it, the spiritual warfare going on, and we're told the same thing, flee from those things flee from idolatry don't you unite yourself with those things and then try to be one with god he's saying watch out it's kind of like paul saying you are on thin ice I mean, there's trouble just waiting everywhere so that's his first part we can understand that we got to get we may not deal with the specific situation but we can understand paul saying flee from idolatry but then he gets to the second part and it's almost this is where he seems to like completely contradict what he just said because then he goes hey guys but you know when you go to the meat market buy what you need to buy and eat it with a clear conscience and if an unbeliever invites you over the house and offers you food eat with a clear conscience oh wait a second wait this is this is where i started to get frustrated and have some trouble because i'm going paul you just got on to them by saying don't eat don't let me just flee from idolatry but now you're saying you know if have a clear conscience when you go and do. Now, this is tough to deal with, friends. This is God's word. So either, either God is uh, imperfect, meaning he's contradicting himself because this is God's word or something else is happening. 
See, Paul's dealing with this situation. He's going, hey, guys, I know that this is a big issue for you because you cannot get away from all this food that is out there and that is being sacrificed to pagan gods and all this stuff. But at the same time, Paul realizes that that's kind of all the option they got and that they are not going to be uh, of the world, but they are certainly in the world. And, and in truth, Paul is saying, get away from the idolatry, but in the end, God is bigger than all of it. He's kind of saying what that those things are nothing compared to God because the world is God's and everything is in it. Everything in it is his. So it seems like Paul is going, hey, flee from idolatry. Don't mess with it. Don't touch it. Don't be of all those things. And he said, you know what? But if you go and, and when you eat and when you go to the unbeliever's house and all stuff, yeah, clear conscience. You got freedom because Christ is above all those things. God is in control. So which is it, Paul? What are we supposed to do? Am I, am I supposed to flee? Because all the meat around me is, is given to false gods or whatever my, the idol that we face today. It's given over there. Flee, flee from it or is it I'm in the world and these things are around me and I can do so with a clear conscience. Maybe think of it like this, friends. Um, I would, probably most, if not all of you who are still working, unless you're retired or you're you know, younger ones in school, probably all of you work in situations at your job that's not a Christian setting. Am I right in saying so? That you probably have people around you who do not follow the Lord. And probably some of them do it pretty vocally. I mean, Monday through Friday, I'm sure a lot of you have to see or be around some things that are certainly not praiseworthy. That are in truth, if we're going to be honest about them, they are, they are from the enemy. They're, they're sourced in sin and evilness. Those actions and those things that are done and said, and you know you got those people around you in your work setting, or you did when you were in that setting. But you go, God provided for you that job. You say, I know I'm supposed to work here. God provided. He did it. I'm supposed to flee from idolatry, but I know when I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to be around some people whose lives and actions and words and all these things are not of the Lord, and I'm going to hear it or be exposed to it. So am I going to flee from it, or do when I go into that situation, do I have a clear conscience? What do I do? Paul makes it even harder after this, right? First he says, flee, stay away from it. Then he says, no, I mean, when you go, you're, I know you're, you're in the world, so eat, eat with a clear conscience because Christ is above all that. God's in control. But then he says, but if you're eating at the unbeliever's house and they say to you specifically, this food has been sacrificed to idols because they know you're a believer. You know, it's kind of like I'm testing you. Are you doing the things you said you would do? All this stuff. Then Paul says, then don't eat it. He says, if somebody's, you know, you know watching you and testing you and going to see if you do this thing that you should do or shouldn't do, then stay away from it. Well, in my mind, that makes it even harder. Again, which is it, Paul? Flee completely, be okay with it, or just don't do it when people are watching? What, what do you want me to do, Paul? I mean, and God is giving the word here. This is Scripture. So I say that to Paul, but God is, is using Paul to get this word out there. So, God, what am I supposed to do? I know I'm in the world, but I'm supposed to stay away from the evil things and the idolatry. I'm supposed to run from it, not be a part of that in my life. But in, I, in the world, I'm going to encounter them all the time. 
So should I just have an okay conscience that is, you know, I have Christian freedom and God has saved me and forgiven me? Or should I just only find out when people are watching and then make sure I don't do those specific things? What am I supposed to do? This is why I brought up this whole thing about sometimes Scripture can be frustrating and it can be hard. And understanding how do I reconcile this? Because if somebody, if, if I had a new believer, somebody just came to Christ and said, hey, go read this passage. Don't read any other passage around it. Don't go read any other parts of the Bible or what Jesus says or how to live. Just go read these verses we read this morning. They come out of there going, I have no idea how I'm supposed to be a Christian. It's tough. See, one of the things this teaches us, friends, is that a daily walk in Christ is not a black and white thing. See, that's what people make a mistake about Christianity. In fact, that's why some people turned off by it. They think that being a Christian means a bunch of thou shalts and thou shalt nots. The rules, you just go, go by the rules. Well, God laid down some rules, but guess what? Those are true whether you believe in him or you don't. I mean, God, these are morally true things. You can, you're supposed to do this and you're not supposed to do that. But guess what? The majority of our walk, our day, the things we have to do, it falls in the gray category. It's in the in-between. Yes, there's some clear moments of I'm to do this, I'm not supposed to do that. But there's a whole lot in between of, God, well, what's the best way to handle this situation? How am I supposed to really be in the world that is around me that I can't help that I live in and do what you want me to do without completely isolating myself from everything around me? Because we were given the task to go spread the gospel, to make disciples. I mean, Jesus, he went and dealt with some of the sickest, sinful people that there were. And he said, you go do it likewise. So how am I supposed to flee from all the things that are related to idolatry if I'm supposed to go be in the world and deal with all of it? It's tough. It's very tough. And it's something we have to wrestle with every day. That's why when we kind of look at all the things Paul is saying is, you know, you got to flee from idolatry. You got to be watch. You got to be real careful from all those things. But you also got to have a, you know, know you have freedom in Christ and he's above all that. But you also got to watch out for when people are watching you because they're going to test you. That's why when it comes to the verse I mentioned when we started this morning. That's why it's so important when he says. In verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What does that mean to us? It means as I go about my day tomorrow, if I'm going to go out into the workforce tomorrow and I'm going to go on my job that I know is going to be worldly, and there's all kind of worldly, evil, sinful, even idolatrous stuff around me, but God has called me to go work, he's gifted me to go work in this way. What am I supposed to do when all those situations arise? How do I handle this? He didn't call you to you know, quit your job and just be a hermit crab at home, never being around any of those other things. He's saying, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Now, I wish I could say to you, in every circumstance you face, here's what you're supposed to do. One, I'm not the one to do that for you. But what is God wanting for you to do? He's wanting for you to, as you go through your day, as you wrestle with those little small things, God, what should I do here? That you are seeking him and wanting to resolve the issue by bringing glory to his name. 
So let's put that in action. What does it really look like? What does it really mean? So tomorrow I wake up and I go out by my day and I encounter something that I know is not praiseworthy, but it's in a situation that I know God has placed me in. So I say, God, what do you want me to do here? Not do what do I want to do, not what my preference is, not what makes me look good. But God, how am I going to handle this? What should I do about this that brings glory to you? I want to do this for your glory. I, I, I thought of this applied in a different way a few days ago. I try my best, and I, I don't do really good at it, but I try my best to two, three, maybe four times a week go to the gym, you know, get on the treadmill for 30 minutes and just, you know, get the heart rate going, try to, try to be a little healthy and all stuff. Um, I don't, you know, the busy weeks, I don't do great with it, but I try my best. You know, sometimes I go, and when I go, sometimes I see the same people that are there, and they've been there for an hour, and they'll be there a couple hours after I'm gone, and, you know, those, the people walk around like this, you know, I'm going so big, and, you know, look at me, you know, they're, they pass by the mirror, and they go, yes, you know, that kind of number, um, you know, and I, sometimes I look at that. And the, the hours of dedication that it takes to, you know, to really be, you know, extremely good shape and all the muscles and all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know what's in that person's heart. I don't, I can't, I'm not in a place to judge. I, I don't, get, you know, I'm not God. I don't know what's going on. But I kind of, sometimes I want to say, why are you doing that? I mean, I, I want to say, why are you, are you doing it so you feel good about you? Are you doing it so somebody else feels good about you? Or do you know and have confirmation that you're doing this for God's glory? And if you are, I mean, if for some reason God called you to do that, then God bless you, you just go do it. I mean, it's kind of like this young man who was at this camp over this weekend. And the hours he had spent juggling and balancing and learning how to hold a, spin a plate on his head. Well, he was doing it because the Lord gave him some unique talent so he could better spread the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to some boys and girls. And God bless him in the work he was doing because he was doing it for God's glory, not for his own. But you could certainly go in any number of activities and be doing it for your glory. Doing it for yourself. And guess what? When the motivation for what you do is for yourself, that's what you're getting into. You're getting real close to falling through the ice. Because that idolatry, that pagan stuff, that's, I mean, that's all around. It gets you. And then what happens? Then the people who are watching you go, yep, they got him. Yep, he fell. She gave in. Whatever it is, they see it. So this, this contrasting advice we seem to get from a scripture of, Flee from idolatry, but yet have a clear conscience when you're out in the world. And, hey, watch out for when people are looking at you. It actually melts together. Because it means that as we go through our day, we first have to do what? We have to seek the Lord's glory in whatever we do. And all that gray area of what is right, how should I handle the situation, what should I say, how should I act, God, show me how... This can be not for my glory, not for my benefit, but for your glory. How can I bring praise to your name by how I handle this situation? God, help me watch out for the idolatry, for the evil stuff that I don't even see coming. The stuff that has been dedicated to the work of the enemy. Give me eyes to so, see when that's there, when the ice is cracking at my feet. But God, let me bring glory to you as I'm out in the world. 
You see what I'm talking about? It's a tough road to walk. It is challenging. You've got to be there with the Lord. You need to be in His Word that He gives you because so often His direction comes as He reveals Scripture unto your heart. So He's telling us in all that we do, so you know, when you're going about your day tomorrow, you can keep in mind these things. First of all, saying, I'm going to do things, whatever I do, for the glory of God. Whatever I do, even to what I eat and what I drink, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Two, I'm going to watch out that I'm going to be, a, if I'm being a stumbling block for somebody else. Because it says, Paul's saying, don't cause anyone else to stumble. He said, whether Jew, Greek, or even somebody inside the church. He's saying, I don't care whether they're believer, unbeliever, where they come from. Our responsibility is we don't want to be stumbling blocks for somebody else. And you, friend, are being watched. If you are a Christian, people should know that you're a Christian because we're called not to hide our light. We're supposed to make it very plain that we are followers of Jesus, but they are watching you. And when you know it's going to be a situation where it's a stumbling block for somebody else, the answer is pretty clear. I'm not going to do that. Because I don't want to hurt. That doesn't bring God glory. And last, I want you to think of this. We said, said, do what? Bring glory to God and all that I do. Watch out for being a stumbling block. And thirdly is this. Paul said at the end of the passage, is actually the first verse of verse, uh, chapter 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Get somebody around you who's an example that you can follow. I don't think there should ever be a time in our life where we don't have at least one, preferably multiple people, who can be good examples for us. There's not an age you reach where you don't have it should have somebody over you that can show you how to be stronger in a certain area. Guess what? That's one of the reasons you're called to show up to church. Because if you try to go live Christian life on your own and never show up with other body of believers, how are you going to get the encouragement? How are you going to have somebody else who says, you know what? I've struggled with that. Let me help you. Hey, I'm walking this good path. Just follow me. That's why we come. That's one of the reasons we show up to this place. So we got some examples around us. Because you can help somebody else, and there is somebody else here who can help you. Because it is a dangerous, treacherous, difficult path before you. You go out into the world. You step out of the doors of the church, you are stepping on thin ice. Because there are pitfalls everywhere there's the work of the enemy hiding and you need help and you need help you need to be able to go out on that journey and say you know what? i'm not going to take the path that i think i'm not going to make the choices that i want to make go how i think is best god your glory i'm doing this for you you show me what you want if my friend is over here they're watching me i know they're watching me i don't want to be a stumbling block for them so i better pay attention to how i'm walking and I'm going to make sure i got somebody else who's treading the path right in front of me. They're going to be a helper. They're going to be an encourager. They're going to be an example. And I want somebody behind me watching how I'm going. That's how we handle some of this stuff, friends. Paul's heart is for, these, for this church who's struggling. Not to get the rule book all right. Not to live some legalistic this, you can't do this, and you can do that. You can only go so far here. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, 
the path of Christ is difficult. He's talking about pride. He says, watch out the pride that's in your life. He said, watch out for the temptation that awaits around the corner. And he says, you also got to check your motivations. Do it not for your glory, not so you can be seen well by others, but make sure that what you do, you are doing all for the glory of God. Let's take a moment for the Lord this morning. I hope God's word has encouraged you. And I want you right now to just go into an attitude of prayer before him. Don't worry about anything else going on. I want you to begin talking with God right in this very moment. Because I'm, I'm guessing you're just like me, and you struggle, as I struggle, in making sure that the decisions I make each day and the path that I take is not for my glory, but for God. And maybe this morning as we've gone through Scripture and we've looked at some of this, God has begun to reveal unto your heart some of the things that you're doing for your glory or some ways that you're being a stumbling block for somebody else. And he's revealing it to you, and it's time to get that fixed. So right now, I want you, right, you talk to God. You don't need to worry about anything else that's happening in this place. I want you, even as I'm talking, you can begin just to align your heart with him and have him begin to speak with you. And I'm going to pray over you in a moment, but I don't want to do that until you've had some time with God. Because I'm wanting you right now, even as I speak to you, I want you asking him to reveal these things to you. The things you need to do. The things he wants you to pay attention to. He may be saying, watch out, danger's right around there. Flee from this. He may be saying, this person's watching you. He may be saying, you're doing that for your own glory. I don't know what he's telling you this morning, but would you let him talk to you right now? Just begin to take your heart before him. Tell him this morning, you want to do all the things of your, of your day, today, tomorrow, this week. You want to do them for his glory, not for you. Make that commitment. If you need to confess something this morning, if something you've done wrong, and how you've been living for yourself, or how you fell into the pit of idolatry, confess it to him. His forgiveness and his mercy is right there ready and waiting for you. He'll pull you up right out of that pit. He'll wash you clean, I promise. He, he promised. Let's get that right. But know that you've got a difficult road ahead. It's not easy. Following Christ is not a simple thing. Bringing glory to God in all the steps you take is not easy. But it's one we should all strive for. Make that commitment to him today. Ask him to show you things you need to commit to today or repent from or change or share with the church family. What is he asking you to do this day? As you're praying to God about this, as you're allowing him to speak to you, to show you, would you allow me to pray over you?